I think about a teenager, and I started getting myself in trouble. Uh, I, I, I began to uh, dib and dab. I started to, to use drugs, and I started to mess around in a way that obviously uh, was hurting me. And, you know, the, the mentality always is that you're not hurting anybody else. Uh, we know that's a lie, right? And uh, in my desperation, I told my dad, I said, Dad, i got to get out of here. You know, i got to get out of New York. I grew up in the South Side. For those who don't know what the South Side is, it's Williamsburg. Now it's very trendy. you got a lot of artists, you know, uh, long-haired, uh, guitar-playing uh, people who uh, have a lot of Sadway cafes. But at one time when I was growing up, it was drug-infested. Um, and it was pretty bad. And uh, I wasn't exempt from being touched by that. Influence. I told my dad, I said, you got to get me out of here. So he sent me to Puerto Rico. Uh, and I had a grandmother in Puerto Rico who was this wonderful, huge, uh, cuddly bear kind of, you could lean on her kind of stuff. In fact, I remember she used to make me cocoa by scraping the chocolate bar. Anybody remember that? You know, just scrape the chocolate bar and, and, and be able to melt it and then throw crackers in it. It looked horrible, but it tastes delicious. And uh, I was so grateful for her. I was grateful for her for two reasons. One is uh, she was very firm with me, and I needed that firmness, but she was very loving. And uh, in the process, I grew up, uh, not grew up, but spent a lot of time uh, with her, and, and she's gone to be with the Lord. Uh, and the reality is that the time that I spent with her was such a great influence that even to this day, as I prepared, I, I remember this specifically because it was such an influence in my life. Uh, one of the things I didn't like about her was she closed the gate at 8 o'clock. And, uh, uh, you know, curfew was curfew. You had, to, you had to climb the gate to get in the house. Uh, uh, and, and that wasn't good because, you know, the gate was not an easy gate to climb. So, uh, but, but she was firm in what she believed and, uh, and what, I, what she felt I needed. But I remember growing, coming from New York. And, you know, you come from New York, you know, you know it's concrete jungle. You go, you go to Puerto Rico. We're part of a little fishing village. It, it's not, you know, the comforts of what we have here. You have to live under a net. Everybody know what a net is? Mosquitero, you know, keep the mosquitoes out. Well, you know, first night I slept without it. I learned quickly that there's a reason why you have to sleep under it. And, uh, but I remember sitting in the back and in the backyard. It wasn't even a backyard. I can at least tell you it was like a forest. It was a forest because literally uh, she was growing plants of all kinds. I remember the, the orange rinds. Anybody remember you peel the orange and you hang it? She made teas from that, which were delicious. You know, I always thought about throwing away the, you know, we throw away the orange peel now, don't we, all of us? We, we go get, you know, uh, teas, orange flavor kind of stuff and pay $2 for it. She used to do that. And every plant that was there, there was a reason for it. I got a stomach ache. She peeled something off. The plant, put it in water, she said, drink this. My stomach ache went away. Uh, if I had a toothache, she'd make this little concoction she got from a plant. It was a black, nasty smelling thing. Put it on my face, put a plant over it, and healing took place. Uh, don't ask me what it was. She wasn't a pharmacist. All I know is that she knew exactly everything in that backyard and its use for. She also had these two huge uh, vessels, these these vats, you know, drums kind of, but they were plastic, they were huge. I guess they came from some factory, they cut them in half, and she had one on the right and one on the left. And I remember sitting there eating a banana, and I took the banana peel and I threw it in one of them. She went crazy. 
She said, that's not the purpose for that. That's not, th th that's not what that's supposed to be used for. I was like, whoa, okay, Grandma. I took the banana peel out, and I didn't understand why. I, I thought it was a garbage can. In Brooklyn, it was a garbage can. Okay? In Puerto Rico, it was something different. And I remember that if you ever been to the Caribbean, when it rains, you, you, you ever go on vacation when it pours, and you got to stay in your hotel, and you can't go nowhere, right? Well, when it poured in, in, in Puerto Rico, we had these, uh, uh, the roof wasn't even a roof. It was this corrugated steel. And, and it was like tin, right? It was like, you, you're going to hear the, the rain come down at a greater impact than it was actually raining outside. The point is that two days later, when I go into the same backyard and I go into that vessel that she had, it had collected all the rainwater. See, she knew what the use of that vessel was for. I didn't. And what she used to do, take the water, boil it, put it in the refrigerator, it became drinking water. Fill the washing machine with it, it became, you know, the place where you wash your clothes. And at that time, it wasn't like now. You put coins and stuff like that. It was, you put the washing machine, you use a stick. You use a board. And then they had these little two rolls where you squeezed to get the, I used to hate doing laundry then. I like doing it now. Uh, but, you know, she knew exactly what it was for. The same water was used to uh, 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 wash dishes. You know, so she was really knowledgeable in what that was used for. And I didn't know. And for some of us, it's almost the same way with our lives. Like, we don't know what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> right? And along the way, we don't care to ask anybody that knows. So what we do is we try to live life as best we can, based on what we know. We don't take suggestions. We don't take advice. We can read it and still not believe it. We can hear someone say it to us over and over again and still resist it. And along the way, what begins to happen is that this hollow vessel that was supposed to be used for something specifically doesn't get used for anything. The Old Testament and the New Testament are written in this agricultural society. It, it, it's not, there was no planes, there was no cars, there's no cell phones, no Facebook, no fans, no comfortable seating. It, you know, farmers got up early in the morning. God forbid anybody here gets up early in the morning before the sun rises. And they knew that they had a certain amount of time before the sun came down because there was, you know, there wasn't no light necessarily for, for you to illuminate. So, you know, early to rise, early to bed, and, you know, the rest is, is the old cliche about catching a worm, and I'm not into catching worms, so I won't say that. But the reality is that in the Old and New Testament, that's how, when you read the Bible, you have to begin to see it. That God begins to use certain analogies, certain metaphors, certain symbolism to get his people to hear what he's trying to say. And during that time, he would lift up what we call prophets. And prophets were a rare breed. And, and most of the men, when you read in the Bible, that when God called them, they would stutter. You know, I don't know how to speak. Or they would say, I'm too young. 
oh, I'm not me, oh, I don't smell good, I don't look good, you know, I don't, I don't have that role, I'm not on TV saying, this is my Bible, you know, I'm, I'm not doing this. That's, that's not what uh, the prophets were. At, own, at their own personal sacrifice, God spoke to them, and they spoke to a people that didn't want to hear it. They spoke to a people who still wanted to do what they wanted to do, when they wanted to do it, how they wanted to do it, despite God's love, mercy, grace, and compassion towards them, they continued to want to do what they wanted to do. Anybody here like that? Anybody here feel like, you know, I don't need your help, God. You know, Mommy, I don't need your help. Daddy, I don't need your help. You know, I don't need your help. This Bible, eh, I don't know. You know, this word, oh, I don't know. I, I know now a lot better, but that's hindsight, isn't it? Like when you're in it, Right? You don't want to take advice. You want to kind of spin your wheels and try to get it going on your own. God lifts up this prophet by the name of Jeremiah. He's called the weeping prophet because he cried so much. The book that follows Jeremiah is Lamentations. Lamentations means to lament, which means to cry a lot. Anybody here cry a lot? Yeah. I do. Put on Lion King and I cry regularly. Okay? Uh, it's just what it does to me. It affects me that way. Um, it's it just, you know, that's the way it is. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a weeping willow uh, uh, these days when it comes to certain scenes in, in, in movies. In fact, I cried yesterday when Derek Jeter got his 3,000 hit also. You know, I, I cried too. So, uh, yeah, that, that deserves applause. <laughs> but, but it was a whole thing of, 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 you know, Jeremiah, God calling him, and God saying, I need you to speak to the people because here's what I want to do. They have gone far from me. They have gone their own way. They have done their own thing. But I still love them. I still want a relationship with them. Listen to what I'm saying. There is a God who still wants a relationship with you. There is a God who still wants to shape you, wants to use you, wants to take this emptiness in your life and fill it with his presence and allow you to become all that he wants you to be. Not what you think you should be. Just like that. That wasn't a place for me to throw my banana peel. It was a place to collect water that would sustain the family for months at end. It's the same way with God. God who sees the future and knows your past and, and is caring for you in your present wants to do something miraculous. Something as simple as keeping you clean. Something as simple as giving you a place to gather or a family to love you or children to care for, or a job that you should show up to on time and not late every day walking around with your Starbucks coffee. Just show up. And then you want to get mad at the boss because, you know, you, all, you don't know all I do in this place. No. That's a sense of entitlement that's dangerous. And I think that when you read the Bible, you see that in the people that God was trying to love. They thought, oh, God is not going to do that to us. No way. And he raises up to Jeremiah, and, and Jeremiah talks to the people. He's always, like, talking to them. He's saying, listen, guys, you've got to change your mind. You've got to change your ways. You've got to turn away from this and, 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 and run towards God. You know, like, when you read the Bible, you see that they started having human sacrifices and, and all kinds of stuff. The temple of God wasn't a temple of God anymore. People began to, to act in ways that were just foolishly and just crazy. I mean, uh, it, was just a, it was just horrible, horrific is the word I would use. But in the midst of all that, God still loved on them. God continued, listen to me, maybe you're at a place in your life 
where you're feeling this hollowness, this sense of, man, there's, there, there's got to be more to this. It's got to be, you know, a better use for my life than what I'm doing. It's right. You're right. You're absolutely right. You passed the test. God wants to take this hollowness and make it useful. God wants to show you through his word that he is this God who is making and shaping and molding you. Even in your most difficult moments, God is doing something wonderful in your life. And sometimes we can't see it because we look at God and say, God, you got to be busy. You, you, gotta, you made a mistake with me. Oh, oh God, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's not me. Maybe someone else. And in the body, there are vessels, people who get it. People say, you know what, God, I'm all in. And when you look at the uh, 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 vessels that were created, there were vessels of gold, of silver, of wood, of clay, you know, uh, uh, of stone. They created them. And archaeologists, when they discover a particular people, they look at the vessels they use to determine how sophisticated they were. And it's so important that we begin to understand something, that God raises up Jeremiah, and he tells Jeremiah, this is what I want you to tell the people. Amen? If we go to Jeremiah, it's in your sermon maps. We've uh, put it in there for you so that you can take a look at it and, and write down any notes. Now, normally, when you hear someone speak, there is something that's said, something that's shared. Make a note. Make a note. Make underline. Get into the habit of, of listening to what God is saying to you and saying it to you specifically. You see, because the only, the only person that needs to get this is the person in your seat. So if you're sitting next to someone, please don't elbow them, okay? Just, just, just let God be the one that deals with them. Let you in your seat be receptive to what God is saying. Open your heart and your mind and allow God to come in and do what he has to do. Amen? Because I know I've sat plenty of times and I said, man, I wish that person was here. They need to hear this. Uh, meanwhile, it's for me. Amen? Look what it says there. It says, the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me. I love that. And if you understand what it says, he told me. God said it. He did it. I would put the word obedience right there. Okay? Just for me, I put down the word obedience. I, I wrote down, I made a note to myself that, man, God said it. The prophet did it. Didn't argue with him. Didn't say, wait a minute, I don't want to go to that potter. I owe him money. Or I don't want to go over there. I don't like that church. Or, you know, I don't want to go over there because, ah, they don't have AC. Or I don't want to go over here because I really don't like the people over there, right? So, so, so he just, God said it and he did it. So he, when he told him that, he did it. He said, and he found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. Now, Jeremiah is seeing this and God is giving him something to say. And what God is trying to say here is that maybe over here your life wasn't or isn't all it's supposed to be. Right? Like, it's marred. It's, 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 you know, we started doing something over here, and, and it didn't come out the way it's supposed to come out. God is saying, 
you're a lump of clay, I'm the potter, I'm going to start over with you. Isn't that wonderful? I'm going to start over in your marriage. I'm going to start over in your finance. I'm going to start over your life. I'm going to start it all over if you understand that he is the potter and I am the clay. Amen? Can everybody relate to that? First of all, I'm not the potter. Hello? Pastor Edwards is not the potter. Can we get that clear? We are all lump of clay. God is the potter. So when you read the word, understand that God is the potter, not the pastor, and the clay is you and me. And God is trying to do something in our lives. And sometimes, because we're so stubborn, he uses the circumstances and situations in our lives to get us to turn from our behaviors and turn towards him. We call that repentance. We call that a change of mind. That over here, this condition, it's good, but good is not enough. I want to be great, and great is over there. So in order for me to get rid of good, because some people stay in good for a long time, right? You ever ask somebody, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Your heart's broken. Yeah, you're broke. You're homeless. I'm good. I'm starving. I'm good. What does that mean? Or some, you ever hear people tell you, how you doing? I'm fine. What's fine about you? Ain't nothing fine. If, if, if there's a misery that you're experiencing here, just know that this is not the place that God wants to keep you. This is not the place that God wants you to stay. God wants to get you over there. So he's got to start over. And that's what he was trying to do with the people. Over here in Genesis, when you go back to the Bible and you begin to read it, there was this utopian situation. There was this wonderful experience that took place here. You know, the Garden of Eden, right? Everything was perfect until man decided that he wasn't going to listen and he wasn't going to do what God said. God said, don't. He did. And boom, calamity came. Right? And then what we do? We blame God, don't we? God, it's your fault. This happened to me. The woman you gave me, the man you gave me, the job you gave me, the car you gave me. You know, we just blame everything on God. And God said, no, I made everything perfect. I made everything complete. I made you in a way that that hollowness, that emptiness in you can only be filled by one person and one person only. Anybody know who it is? Come on. Jesus. Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Nobody else, not your husband, not your wife, not your children, not your money, not your car, not your job, not your career, not your ability. First and foremost, everything belongs to God. So if you have anything, believe me, it's because of God that you have it. And you're supposed to be a good steward with it. And your life. Is the same way. So God is saying, Jeremiah, look at this, right? And, and, and it's a beautiful, vivid picture to think about this potter sitting there, you know, with this lump of clay. You know, he picks it, puts it on there, and begins to turn the wheel, right? Anybody ever see that done where, 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 where the clay is being molded? Now, I know for a fact that when I watched that, I didn't like the way the potter was making the clay because he was slapping it up. I mean, he was hitting that clay. He was sprinkling water. What was the purpose of it? He was trying to soften it up. How many of us in this room have been slapped up? As God has began to shape us and mold us, we came into the church thinking, oh, man, this is going to be easy. Jesus Christ, hallelujah, glory to God, everything's good. No, I came to church and things started to happen because God started to fill my hollowness with a usefulness. He started to say what was in you is no good. The purpose that I created you is not so that you can harm yourself. God has a hope and a future for us, not disaster. We choose. There's a choice we made. The people of Israel made a choice. 
They made a choice to turn away from God. And the wonderful thing about this story is that God, in his grace and in his mercy, still continues to love us, love us, love us, love us. Love us. Even when you're a hot mess, even when you think that you got it going on, listen, ain't nobody here good. We're all messed up. We're all, you know, like ugly. You know, left to our own devices, we ruin more lives, including ourselves, you know, than anybody else can do. We're like a 7.2 on a Richter scale. We wreck things. So it's important that we understand that, that none of us here have it going on. But I have to give you a little bit of advice. If you don't have it all going on, shouldn't we go to the one who does? Shouldn't we want a marriage or a relationship or, or, or a life that reflects the glory of God? And the only way we're gonna, uh, that's going to happen is that we allow the potter, God, to take this clay and make it and mold it according to what he wants to do and according to the use. And let me tell you what the use is, that your life will glorify God. That your life will bring glory to God. And that's real easy to do, isn't it? You know, we can look at what's honorable and what's dishonorable, right? If someone is dishonorably charged from the military, not good. Not good. You know? You, you want to be honorably discharged, you know? To, to have that on your record is not good. You, do you, you want a marriage that dishonors or honors God? The only way to do that is to bring Christ into your home. You, you want to honor God with your life, with your body, with your finances. The only way is to bring Christ into that picture and give glory to God about everything and anything he does. And in the process, look what he goes on to say. Then the Lord gave me this message. O Israel, cannot I do to you as this potter has done to his clay? He asks a question and he answers it really quick. As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. Wow. Think about that. That there's a God who your life is in his hand. Here's what I'm advising you to do today. Stay there. Stay in his hands. Don't look at him and say, you're making a mistake. Why did you create me this way? Why, why, you, know, why, you, know, you know I was going to do this. Why you let me do it? Right? Now, it's clear that we're supposed to love God more than anything else. Can, can you say amen to that? We, we're supposed to love God more than anything else. My devotion to God comes first. If you've been around for a, uh, for a while, our values here is God first. Then our families, then others, then our health, then, then being honest. You know, these are the core values that we teach here at our ministry. And it's important that you have values because if you don't have any values, then you're going to fall for just about anything that comes your way. You know that. You know, because you said there were some things you never were going to do, and you did. There were some places you said you would never go, and you went. There were some things that, that you know, some people that you said, uh-uh, I ain't hanging out with that person. And you became that person. And it's so important that we realize, God says, okay, Jeremiah, I want you to look at what the potter's doing. He, look at, he started, it's all messed up, I'm going to start over. 
I'm the part that you're the clay. Let me do it. Let me work this out. Let me, let me create in you. Let me use, you know, make you usable. Let me, you, let me take this marred clay, me, you, and begin to mold us anew. And begin to shape us. But that can only happen if over here you realize, yo, this is not cool. This is not cool. What I'm doing here is not honoring God. Well, you know, the way I'm acting here is not, this attitude, this behavior, it's not honoring God. But then we're like this, you know, kid in the, you know, when you see the candy in the glass or the sneakers in the glass, you say, I want that pair. And we see over there, we say, that's what I want to be. That, that's honorable. I, that's what I want to be. And my question is, I just raised my hand. How many of us sat in classrooms not knowing the answer and didn't say anything? What's wrong with raising your hand and saying, I need help? Especially now. Especially now when our marriages are faltering, when our children are bugging out, when our relationships are horrible. How is it that you, you, you go from one relationship to another thinking that that guy or that girl has a twin? <laughs> right? Because the same thing. Right? You're here with this person, and they say they'll never treat you this way, and you say, okay, but then you break up, and then all of a sudden you meet another person, and I thought I got rid of him over there. He resurfaced. He resurfaced because there was something in you that was lacking that you still continue to need that. And God is saying, you're hollow, but you're useful. If you allow me to fill you, you're going to realize that your cup's going to run over, and you're going to be a blessing to others, and your life... It's going to be a vessel that I can display to people and say, this is honorable. How many of us in this place grew up understanding this? Don't hang out with that person. Hang out with that person. Do this. Don't do that. We all know that. What is it about us that seems to be wanting to do what is bad? You know what it is, is we turn away from God, and now bad becomes good. And it's not, because good is deceptive. There's this illusion that there's good over here, because they felt it was good. Why they felt it was good? They felt it was good because they were doing what everybody else was doing. How many of us are going to break off from the pack and say, I don't want to be like that? And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, people tell me now, sometimes they say, oh, you think you're better than me? I say, no, I'm not better than you. I'm just different. I don't want to do what you're doing. I don't want to keep doing that. I don't want to keep hanging out in the corner. I don't want to keep running that run. I don't want to keep doing that. I know where that leads. It all ends the same way. People think they can rewrite the end of the story. It's all the same way. Listen, you know, if you're out there running, it's the same way. It's, you know, broken hearts, misery, you know, uh, broken relationships, prison, you know, uh, you're sick, you know, you're alone, you're crying your way of sleep, you're waking up crying, in the middle of the day you're crying over a cup of coffee, and people are saying what's wrong, and you say, no, there's nothing wrong, I'm good, I'm okay, you're not okay, why are you crying? You got some onions you're carrying around with you? No. You're not good. There's this brokenness. There's this marred that's taking place inside you. And God says, I want to start over. I want to start over with you. I, I, want, to, I want to start again. Can we let him be God in our lives? Can we let him be God in our relationships? 
and our marriages and our finances. Can, can we let the potter make and mold you into what he wants? Because doesn't he know best? Doesn't, doesn't he know better? Because he knows the future, right? He, he knows your past. He knows that unless your past is corrected here in the present, ooh, you're going to be in a heap of mess in the future. And I always tell the guys when I'm sitting down talking to them, I said, listen, if you don't address your past, it's going to repeat itself. It's, going to re it's just going to surface. You, you, you stuff it down. You think, I got, you know, everything's cool. You know, it's like a suitcase. We're trying to put too much. For those people who travel, travel light, please. You know, you got to go through uh, all kinds of stuff in the airport. You don't want your bags to, to break. But, but in reality, we're like that. With our emotions, with our feelings, with our lives, we kind of fit, you know, try to fit so much into a, 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 a carry-on. We're sitting on it trying to zipper it, and God is saying, no, 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 that doesn't fit you anymore. That shirt, those pants, that blouse, that attitude, that behavior, those people you're running with, those things that you're seeing or doing, it doesn't fit you anymore. It's not who you are. It's not what I'm trying to do. And if you've been coming around for a little bit, God has already started a work in you. And I know, listen to me, I know that it hurts. I know that there are moments where you say, God, take it easy, man. You know, be easy with me. You know, I'm fragile. But God has a way when you look at the potter, they shape it and then they do what? In order to harden the clay, what do they do with it? They got to put it in the oven. <laughs> they got to put it in the fire. And fire in the Bible is symbolism of trial. You know, uh, things that go on in our lives that are going to determine our faith, going to determine our walk, going to determine if we maintain our recovery, going to determine if I'm going to say no to these things that I've been saying yes to for a long time. And the potter says, listen, I'm going to take you, this lump of clay, and I'm going to make you so that you're useful. I didn't know well, why my grandmother had those two big buckets in the back, those two big vessels. But she knew. She knew exactly. She knew what the plant was for. She knew what this was for, that was for. She knew everything that in that backyard was for. You think that maybe God is smarter than my grandma? I think so. In fact, I know so. There is a God who is omnipotent and omniscient. There, there is a God who is everywhere at all times. There is no place that we can go that God cannot see. You know, that there, there is no place for us to hide. And when you start to walk with God, there is something that begins to happen with an individual. You're not concerned about what people think anymore. You're concerned about what he because I guarantee that if you allow him to be God, he'll take care of your horizontal relationships. If you put him first and allow him to be the God that he said he would be, that if you allow him to do what he said he would do in your life, if you will embrace the truth of the cross, if you will realize that Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice made so that you, Mr. and Mrs. Guilty, can be free. Because we're all guilty. 
No, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. We're, we're, we're all guilty. Why does it say? The Bible says we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. The fall of man caused that. By one man, sin entered. And by another man, we can receive forgiveness. And the person is Jesus Christ. There, there, there's no, there's nothing else. You know, you can't absolve yourself. You can't clean your body enough. You can't dress up enough. You can't shave enough. You can't, you know, you can't be around the right people. You ever do that right? You go to a concert, take a picture with somebody, right? If you got Photoshop, you fix it up. All of a sudden, you're standing next to Britney Spears. Yeah, I know her. You don't know her. That's Photoshop. You can't do that with Jesus. You got to know Jesus. You got to know him intimately. You got to be able to, to interact with him in such a way that, 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 that the Lord is with you. And that the Lord is for you. And God is saying, Jeremiah, please, please go back to my people and tell them that I love them. Tell them that they don't have to stay in their backslidden condition. Tell them that, that what they're doing has caused them to be bound in rituals, has caused them to be bound to, to something that has no end result except calamity, pain, and hardship. Listen, how long do you have to be in a relationship that you know is going nowhere? How long, and I say this to young ladies all the time, you've been with someone for six years and there's no ring on your finger, cut them loose. Cut them loose. You're making it too easy. I had a privilege of speaking to high school young ladies and I said, listen, raise the bar. Raise the bar. It's so important for you to raise the bar because if you don't raise the bar, you're going to settle. You don't have to be dumb so you can hang out with the bad guy. Let the bad guy be all by himself. He's either going to get good or he's going to get so bad and so far that you won't have nothing to do with him. And it's so important that we understand that, that, that there is a place that God wants to take us to. And that we don't have to go through the pain that we go through unnecessarily. Why is it that people choose pain when life is painful enough? Isn't life painful enough? Right? It's unnecessary pain that I got to go through, that I seek, that I go through. I know when it started for me is when, you know, I, I got smarter than my parents. And suddenly, I, you know, I had a Ph.D., you know, in the streets. Like, mom didn't know anything. I said, mom, take it easy. You're in a bata. You know, you spend all day in the kitchen. Anybody know what a bata is? It's a smock. You know, she was always in the kitchen. She don't know nothing. But it was amazing how my mother found everything out. You know? And I always say, I used to see pigeons on the windowsill. I thought maybe she had, like, these homing pigeons that she would send out and, you know, come back where your son is over here or they're doing this and doing that. And, and I was so amazed by that. And she was never big on discipline, you know, as far as that's concerned. I think I got away with a lot of stuff. I got away with a lot of stuff. But I, I believe that, that there was this process that God was taking me through, that he was allowing things to happen in my life to get me where I am today. And I still haven't arrived. I, I still have, you know, some rough edges that God, but here's what I've learned to do. I need to be still. I need to allow him to be the potter, me be the clay, shape me and mold me, Make this hollowness in my life useful. Use my life to stand for something. Allow me to have some significance 
and let my name, you know, people talk about, oh, my name rings bells. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. No, I, don't, I, don't, I just want my life to be significant. I, I, I want to be able to, to someone point and say, that's a vessel of honor. And within the church, we have that, don't we? Like you walk in and you start coming around and you say, man, I want to be like that. What is it about that? What is it about an individual? There's a certain character, there's a certain conduct, there's a certain, you know, moral purity that that person is trying to live, and you say, man, I want to be like that. And then there are some people you look at and say, woo, boy, I don't want to be like that. Right? But God allows us to function in the same realm. Why? Because God is trying to point out to us that we're all not goody-good shoes. But he's going to use that for his glory. Because the person who repents and turns away from a certain lifestyle that is not pleasing unto God, can change. And that's what this message is all about. It, it was, Jeremiah, please go to them and tell them. Tell them that if they don't change, this is what's coming. Now that's a hard message. Now a lot of prophets are concerned about, whoa, you know, if I go take that message, you know, they might kill me and stuff like that, you know. But God said it, he's got my back. I'm going to just do what he tells me to do. And the reality is, when you see the whole story unfold, the people of God that he loved so dearly, that he wanted to have a relationship with, but that we had to love him more than anything else, he went like this. And sometimes as a father, or a mother, or a grandparent, or a friend, we have to do that with people around us, right? Like there's only so much, you know, that, that we try to do and it's, oh, leave me alone or, you know, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that or you're too hard or, or this and that. And, 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 and that's the same thing we tell God. Say, oh, God, you suck all the fun out of life. That's not true. That's not true at all, man. You know, I, I have fun now. Like I have birthdays in which I'm sober and I remember what I did. Anybody had birthdays in the past in which they didn't remember what they did? You know? And then they took pictures and they show you and say, oh my God, that was me. Right? That was me dancing on the table. Woo! <laughs> right? There, there, there's, there's this sense that God has a way of doing the right thing in our lives when we let him. Amen? And, and this, is just, this, this is the story. It's just real simple. God says, you're here, I want to start over. If you don't let me start over, there's going to come something into your life. And here's what I'm saying. We don't have to go through that. We choose to. You know how many prophets God lifted up? Many. You know how many stop signs God has put in your life and you run right through them? You know how many red lights flash? You see the yellow and it says caution, you're supposed to slow down. What do you do most of the time? You floor it. I'm going to make this red light. I'm going to make sure I get through it. That, that, you know? And then the camera flashes. Chick, chick. And then it comes in the mail. Said, I could have sworn it was yellow. Right? I'm saying that so that spiritually you can understand that there are moments in our lives where God is saying, let me do what I need to do. Let me be who I am. And please be who you are which is this lump of clay that needs to be shaped. 
that needs to be molded. Give me your, your marriage. Give me your, your children. Give me your life. Give me your finances. Give me everything that I've given you. And watch me do what I do best. You say, oh, God, take it easy. You know, I can't give you that. Oh, God, I got that. Don't worry about it. You take care of the big stuff. I know you got some families in Africa you got to take care of. I got this. I can handle this. I can take care of this. And God is saying, the same God who's taking care of the family in Africa is the same God that's concerned about you. The same God who threw the stars in the sky and the sands in the sea. The same God who's concerned about you. And you're saying, God, I don't know, I don't know, I don't see you, I don't feel you, I, 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 you know, I'm not experiencing you, man. You know, there's no, you know, parting of the, the swimming pool, you know, there's no, you know, uh, uh, lightning coming from the sky, there's, there's nothing going on, the kids are not walking straight, you know, the wife, the husband, they're not behaving properly, you know, I'm broke all the time, you know, all this stuff is going on, and you're saying, God, where are you? Well, if you take your eyes off of all that and put it on him, you will see. That God is at work, even when you think he's not. Even when you think he's not. Why? Because he is the potter, and we are the clay. And he goes on to say in his word that there are several things that we have to begin to do. It says that each one of us has to begin to exhibit some kind of control. i got to tell you that there's nothing like an out-of-control person. We call them extremists. We call them people who go to wick's end to try to get a thrill. We, we call them things like impulsive. People who instantly have to be gratified to get what they need to get when they need to get it because if they don't, they whine and cry like little babies when they need a bottle. Ooh. Right? Come on, you know somebody like that. Right? You know, they don't get their way. Ooh. I'm not talking to you. Ooh, ooh, I'm not doing that. Ooh, ooh, I'm not. You know, they just go, and, and God is saying, you're not letting me work in your life. You're not letting me resolve these problems. You're not letting me fix this. You're not letting me show you the way. You're not letting me be your God. You're making that situation, you're making that person, that thing, that place, more bigger than I am, and therefore, I'm going to have to let you realize that that's a false God. And he goes on to say that, and I put down here that people without control don't have consequential thinking. They don't think of consequences. They think they can just do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want, and nothing's going to happen. But the reality is that we don't think about these things. And there's an awakening, you know, that God brings. When God comes, the, the only way we get control is through the Spirit of God. And through his word. See, the Bible is not about all these don'ts and do's. It's about honor God, obey me, and let me do what I do best. And, and, and you're going to see the story as it opens up. If you continue to read it, they backslid. They, they went away from God. God said, turn from your ways. They didn't. They wound up in bondage. Right? Captivity. There's an army that came, took them away. I mean, took them away, took their, their children, took their vessels of gold and silver, you know, just, just treated them cruel. Right? But God still said, 
I'm going to come back and get you. I'm going to restore you. Say, God, how long? When you read, it's like sometimes 70 years. I say, God, I ain't got 70 years. You need to fix this now. Right? And, and God is like that. God is saying, okay, I'm going to restore you. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to take you from here to here. But here's what we don't learn in captivity. That that thing we thought that we had has us. That person we thought loved us didn't love us, but loved what we brought to the table. Didn't love us. You know, uh, how many children, you know, only love their parents unless they're getting them things? Right? Buying them stuff. Never, you know, uh, uh, disciplining or correcting them. You know, just feeding them, looking out for them, changing their pampers. Everyone that smells like peas. Listen, if you got children, don't feed them peas. It comes out different. Feed them fruit. <laughs> But, but the point is that, that, that you know, who, who wants that? Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. And, and, and God is saying, look, here, here's the situation. In the home, there are vessels of different kinds. And, and, and he says it in 2 Timothy, it says, There are vessels made of gold and silver, some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. How many of us have a, a, a what we call a uh, chinaware, chinero, right? Well, what we got in there? The good stuff or the bad stuff? Good stuff. When do we use the good stuff? When company comes over, right? When company comes over. What do we do with the kids now? We give them plastic club, plastic plate, plastic fork. When you're done, throw it all in the garbage, right? It serves its purpose, but it's not put on display. Vessels of honor are put on display. Every person here has the potential to be a vessel of honor. We're choosing not to. It's, 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 it's not complicated. We have to be able to say no to some things that don't end good. Everybody is pursuing something. Everyone wants something. There is an emptiness in us that we try to fill with many things. And God is saying that hollowness, that emptiness in you, only can be filled by one thing. And that's Jesus Christ. That's, that's the only way. If you let me reign and rule, if you let me sit on the throne of your heart, I will begin to do something in you miraculous. Miraculous. Listen, if you knew me 21 years ago, you would cross the street. Jump on the bus. Sneak on the train. Just to, you know, get away from me. I'm not there yet, but I know that I'm better today than I was back there. Because I did something. I turned away from that, and I said, okay, I'm going to give God a chance. I'm going to realize that I don't got it all going on. I'm going to realize that I'm not as good as I think I am, that I'm not as suave as I think I am, that I don't have, you know, everything going on, and I'm going to trust in this potter. I'm going to acknowledge that I'm a lump of clay, and I'm going to let him do what he has to do. And i got to tell you something. There have been times in which I want to jump off of that wheel. There have been times in when I look at God and say, God, you made a mistake. You got the wrong guy. Right? That guy looks smarter and 
that guy looks better, and you know, he can do it better than I can. And, and God always whispers in my ear and says, you're the one. You're the one. Because I see you better than you see yourself. How many of us look in the mirror sometimes, right? And right away it's like, oh, I need a nose job. You know, for the ladies, oh, I need a boob job. You know, oh, for the guys, I go to the gym, you know, or I'll take steroids. We want to get, right? So here's what we're telling God every time. God, it's not me. It can't be me. Listen, when I read the Bible, Paul was about this high. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. There were prophets who smelled like sheep. If you listen to John the Baptist, according to what he ate, his diet was, you know, locusts. Yummy. For those who are feeling hungry right now, let's go have some locusts. He walked around with camel hair. In case you're wondering, in the heat, it smells. That agricultural society wasn't this beautiful, wonderful thing. People walked around in certain ways. And it wasn't a beautiful thing. So when we look at the Bible, we think, man, I want to be like David. But then you didn't know David. Not the David of the Bible. Oh, I want to be like Saul. No, uh, you didn't know the Saul of the Bible. Oh, I want to be like John. I want to be like this. I want to be like that. No, oh, I want to be like that guy down the block. Or better yet, if you're a guy, I want to be like Brad Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> Fits me up. Right? Right? I, you know, we, we, we start to, to reach for things that are not what God wants. God has a special thumbprint on you, man. You are so special. And if you would embrace that and just say, God, here I am, this lump of clay, right? Fix me. Fix me. Now, here's what you do. When you say, God, fix me, you'll give him access to the stuff in your life that needs fixing. Your stinking thinking, your attitude, your behavior, the way you talk. Some of us in this room are still using profanity. They're still using it in a way uh, 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 to, to tear people down. It's the first thing that comes out of uh, our mouth. We even use acronyms instead of saying the word, thinking that we're justifying it, right? What is it? Uh, sugar, honey, iced tea? Right? Huh? You just said it. We're not taping today, so don't worry about it. You won't get that in the tape. But that's the reality of it. We, we're still using things, the same mouth that we say, oh, hallelujah, glory to God. We'll leave this place in our car on our way home, and we'll say, vessels of honor, this honor. I'm the potter, you're the clay, let me make you. We have to be able to say, God, fix me. God, do something in me that I can't do myself, that I've tried. How many of us have read at least one self-help book? At least one, right? How many of us, uh, uh, for a while, listened to Oprah? She's not around no more, right? How many of us have listened to others who had wonderful suggestions but didn't work for me? And then you know what we do? We blame them. Well, they're a lump of clay, too. They're frail and fragile also. They don't have all the answers. The only one who has all the answers is who? The Word of God reminds us of that. 
it, it's almost like, you know, when, 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 when God, you know, in the Bible it says that, that uh, uh, you know, the creation begins to question the creator and what he's done. Tell me, if, if it was up to you, where would you have put the sun? Where would you have put it? If it was up to you, where would you have put the moon? If it was up to you, where would you have been born? Or better yet, maybe you could erase your parents. Right? Because I know, like, you know, when I was, you know, young growing up, I was like, you know, uh, man, you know, my mother, you know, how come my mother couldn't be like that? Or how come my father couldn't be like that? You know? How come, you know, we, we start complaining about what we got. Listen. You are where you are because God is doing something in you, through you, and around you. And you can complain all you want, but complaining is not getting you closer to being that vessel of honor. So my prayer today in having this, you know, conversation and and talking to you about this story, it's not a a big deal. It's not a big deal. There is this condition here that's marred. God wants to start over. If you let him start over, he could create a vessel that's useful, a vessel that may be hollow but useful, and that he'll get the honor. If you don't, then stuff is going to come into your life. And you're not going to know how to handle it. Because you don't have all the answers. You don't have it all going on. In fact, a lot of you have tried. Tell me what's happened. Tell me what has occurred every turn, every moment in which you have veered off and say, God, you got the wrong person. God, I'm really frustrated. Like, like, you know, I don't want to do this no more. God, look at those people over there. They're having so much fun. Man, just let me go over there for a little while. My concern is that if you go over there, you may not come back. It's like jumping off that wheel as the pot is trying to make you, that you look up and say, hey, leave me alone. I like being this lump of clay. I don't need you to shape me. I don't need you to mold me. I don't need you to make me. Well, that's what God's people did in the Old Testament story. They said, nah, God loves us too much. He's not going to let this happen to us. Do you realize that if you want patience, God puts you around impatient people? That if God wants to demonstrate his love to you, through you, in you, and for others, he's going to put you around unlovable people? Do you realize that if God wants to grow you, that he's going to put you in some situations that are going to stretch you? This is not an easy task. But the potter is willing to take it out. He says, I'm going to do something with you. Honorable. And I'm going to use you. I'm going to use your life. You say, whoa, all the stuff I've done, you're going to use that? Yes. You mean that, that that life that I live, you know, you want to use that? Yes. That heart ache and the pain that I went through, you want to use that? Yes. 
man, if we would just let him be God and just say, you know what? I'm a lump of clay. Make me, mold me, make me useful. Fill this hollowness in me with your presence. There's a hollowness in your home. There's a hollowness in your relationships. There's a, there's a hole in your finances. Maybe you're not even sure about this. You need to get around some people who are living this so that you can begin to experience it in a very real way. I've tried everything. I've done just about everything. I'm still suffering from the 29 years that I lived without Christ. Some of the collateral damage that I caused and some of those defects that rise up in me occasionally. And I got to say, no, that's not, that's not who you want me to be anymore. And when I let him be God, I can smile. And kind of I can enjoy what he's done and is doing. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Praise be to you, O oh Lord. We just worship you right now. We thank you. We thank you, O oh God. We realize that you're a God who continues to show mercy to us. Compassion. And there's this wonderful thing called grace. This unmerited favor that I am guilty. But that you see me better than I see myself. And Lord, I pray that right now, this moment, this time, that everyone in this room will begin to realize that you have the right to use this lump of clay any way you want. So Lord, I pray that we would allow you to do what you do best. To change us. To transform us. To continually make us into the image of your Son. Lord, I pray that no one leave here the same we're to realize that there is this hunger and thirst for righteousness that we should have. And we can only find that truth in you, in your hands. So Lord, help us to trade the life we think we have for the life that you have for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. 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 Amen.